We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, CMOS girlies. Welcome back to the pod. You know, Em and I were just talking about how crazy it is that we have microphones because we're such serious podcasters out here. But I'm joined with Emma. You guys know the drill. We're here to podcast. We're here to chit chat about our intro topics. So how's your weekend, bed dog? How's it going? My weekend has been good. Very quiet. Um, This past week was fashion week. And for the girlies that don't know, I work in fashion. So no, I wasn't going to shows, but I'm a buyer in the industry. So essentially what that means is that all the different brands basically have markets. You like go in, view all the collections. So I was just running around viewing a bunch of collections. I'm a denim buyer primarily. So I was just like looking at denim and by like day five, I was like every single jean is starting to look the same. Um, So I'm kind of happy to not be living on the subway this weekend. Um, I'm potting for my boyfriends and he's currently stretching because he got into the Boston marathon, which I'm super stoked about. Um, I think I might go up and watch. So any girlies that are up in Boston, Give me some recommendations. I've never been, and who knows how long I'll be there for, but there's like a cute cafe or something. Like, I'm totally down to check it out. But I also know the Boston Marathon takes place on Patriots Day. So, like, I don't know if businesses are like closed or if like people are like completely open since it is such a big, busy time for the city. But how are you? I am good. Yeah, that's so exciting. I definitely know that stuff changes for the Boston Marathon. My sister's husband's family's in Boston, and like the whole city just gets like crazy for Marathon Monday. So, I'm super excited for Chris to have that and you to have that experience too. Um, I was kind of hibernating this weekend. I had a long run yesterday in the snow, which kind of took me out. Honestly, it was beautiful. Like I ran all the way to Prospect Park and saw a bunch of little kids like sledding, Mm -hmm. but my run just kind of sucked like categorically. So I was really, you know, soaking in seeing like the, the fresh snow on the trees and the beautiful landscapes, but Inside, I was kind of screaming and crying, but we got it done. I fell asleep at 9 p.m. yesterday. And my first point um, to talk about for the pod is that Sundays are my favorite day of the week. And I know there's this stigma on the internet that there's like the Sunday scaries, whatever. You're talking to a girl that doesn't drink. So first of all, that doesn't really apply to me. But second of all, 
Sundays are the day where you can just like get your life in check. You know what I mean? I always love to make just a crazy list and know that I'm not going to accomplish like everything on that list, but I love to run errands. I don't know why. Like errands are just addicting to me because I think there's an end to them. Like when I have a task that's longer that I need like multiple days to do or weeks or like there's some sort of waiting period, I feel much, much less compelled to do it. But if it's like something stupid of like, go to the post office and ship this or like put your laundry in and then go do something else or go sell clothes to Beacon's Closet or, you know, clean your bathroom. Like I can see a finish to those things. And I've just been stacking my Sundays with errands and I feel like my days are just flying by and it's, it's the best because it's Monday tomorrow. And for the girlies that don't know, um, I'm going to Arizona this week to train for the marathon that I'm doing with Hoka. So I'm going to Flagstaff. There's a lot of professional runners there because the altitude is kind of crazy so I'm going to be doing some trail running which is something I don't get to do a lot of you know living in New York City so I'm very excited for that but I just had a lot of things I had to do and so you know my Sunday reset we shall call it was just the best the best opportunity for me to get ready for my week ahead. I also personally love Sundays. That's probably because I have my long Sunday swim. And so it's a good social interaction. But I feel like on Saturdays, there's so much pressure to like make the most of it and like go out and whatnot. Versus Sundays, there is like no expectations for anyone. It's either you can be hungover, you can like he said, be super productive, run all your little errands. Um, So yeah, I do enjoy a good Sunday. And I'm definitely happy that I'm not the type of person who does experience Sunday scaries. Um, My heart goes out to all the girlies that work jobs that they don't love and they constantly dread when Sunday comes around. I hope you find something better. Um, I don't have much else to add to the intro today. Other than that, I have brought back the 365 sugar-free chocolate chips back into my life. I kind of forgot about like all the weird things that we used to eat back in the day. Kate and I were talking about like, oh, we forget that like people drink matcha or people still drink chlorophyll water. Like we should be making memes about that. And the sugar-free chocolate chips were a big part of our life. I think when I was eating more dessert potatoes and just like weird chocolate maca mush bowls. Um, But I've just been like craving almond butter with medjool dates and chocolate chips And so those have just been like a fine and dandy snack. I'll just like have a little handful. They're really great to keep in the freezer. And I feel like they would also be good. I feel like on TikTok or maybe just like other places on the internet, I've been seeing these like dessert bowls that people eat where it's like popcorn and then like here's an Oreo cookie and like some M&Ms. And I feel like some like nice handful of chocolate chips, whether they're sugar-free or not, would be a great addition. Yeah, that's Brett. She follows CMOS girlies. She's amazing. She runs as well. Um, She lives in California and she's roommates with um, octopus lover, Jake Shane. So yeah, we're one, we're one person away from getting to Jake, um, the CMOS girlies memes. We had an exciting revelation in the CMOS girlies universe this week that Amelia Gray um, actually reposted one of our memes about matcha in which I took the opportunity to slide in her DMs and say, love you. And, you know, she replied to us, I'll leave out the details. I'll free her of exposing her but she is a fan and I was just thinking about you know all the girlies that we need to get to these CMOS girlies I'm thinking Devin Lee Carlson I'm thinking Sydney Carlson um who else am I thinking that's like a weird not weird but could get the esoteric wellness memes do you have any people top of mind um I don't but I feel like Gabrielle kind of falls in that True. world Lynn Mick these are really really deep cut people that no one is gonna know no, people know people know they're all the it girlies um yeah Gabrielle definitely because she's like a refined sugar-free gluten-free girly with her yeah, I get her t-shirt videos sometimes and I'm like damn I didn't know you could like make that with that type of flour um she's actually yeah. first- sorry that's the heater going off no, you're uh, good. I thought you were getting sprayed by water. <laughs> um, no, but she like literally made a cooking video last week where she like cracked an egg on Maddie Healy's head because they're dating, mm-hmm. um, which was funny because yeah, like 
they started dating like after Maddie Healy was allegedly with Taylor Swift, but whatever. Not gonna get into the whole Swift. Throw back to that moment. Oh my god. I know. Wow, how time flies when you're on the internet. But yeah, let us know if there's any other um, you know, famous girlies that should be CMOS girlies. You know, you can just send the memes to their DMs directly and just, you know, get it, get the gospel spreading if you want. Um, Emma and I always love to see some new new folks on the page. My only interesting topic besides like I'm going to Arizona this week is I've just been addicted to eating a huge salad out of a metal mixing bowl. And I've definitely made a meme about that like exact experience, but there's something just so satisfying about it being like 1 PM, I'm going to make lunch, whipping out a big mixing bowl, opening up the fridge, see what lettuce I have, see what vinegars I want to play around with. Do I have feta cheese? Do I have mackerel? Like do I have broccoli sprouts? I've been recently getting a little bit esoteric and strange with my salads, which should come as no shock to the CMOS girlies, but I've been taking the Simple Mills kind of cheese it dupe and crunching it up and putting it on top of my salad, which is really good. I've also been taking like, because I'm addicted to Laughing Cow once again, um, since I've, I've been able to locate it at grocery stores and I forgot the product existed. I've been making that into like a cheesy like salad dressing to make kind of like a Caesar salad thing. Really How do you up. blend it? Because it, I thought laughing out cheese, is laughing out cheese hard or soft? It's softish. So you just do okay. some mixing in a bowl, kind of like as you would with like a miso paste where you okay, kind of- Okay, right on. Okay. Yeah. Um, it works. It works in my little fucked up brain, but- no, um, knowing Kate, gonna... I can like picture exactly how you're like making this, and it's making me laugh internally inside. Yeah, I'm not gonna be. I'm, I'll be honest. Like when you massage kale, we shall say, right? You need like an olive oil thing. So sometimes I'll just directly take the little chunk of laughing cow, put it on top of the kale that's in a bowl, and just start massaging it, and it works. Okay, let I me know if you. Let I me know if anyone you. else I'm wants to try this now. Yeah, let me know if anyone else wants to try it. Please share in the DMs, um, you know, all of your weird salad hacks. But obviously having a salad is, you know, rich in antioxidants and a diverse gut microbiome is happening. So I feel like it's been providing me with a lot of um, serotonin in the winter months. And it's been a little bit of a life hack for seasonal depression. Um, But yeah, that's, that's all that I got for this week. Should we get into the pod? I think we should get into the pod. Yeah, it's a random format random. of random topics because we didn't really come up with a how we are. very thorough topic for the week but you know that's okay you're gonna no. get a little bit of everything we're not not even apologizing you guys have asked about these things in passing and so we're finally addressing them they might be random topics but some CMOS girly out there wants to know the answers so I'm gonna call Emma back and then we will get into this week's pod we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, CMOS girlies. We are so excited to announce today's podcast sponsor, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Are you tired of cooking the same slop? Well, spice it up with the premier variety offered by Green Chef. You can embark on a delicious culinary adventure this year with Green Chef's diverse menu with 80 plus options. Green Chef even has tons of lifestyle preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, you name it. Supporting your gut health can be challenging, but Green Chef makes it really easy and fun because their meals are nutrient-dense, science-backed, gut and brain health recipes, which are all developed in partnership with registered dietitians that can help improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. If you girlies are looking to stock up your pantry on different functional snacks and clean beverages, you know, the ones that support your gut and brain health this January, lucky for you, Green Chef has different green bundles, which are a curated selection of unique hand-picked goods that support your overall wellness goals. Emma and I love using Green Chef to learn how to cook new dishes, to spice up our pantry with new goodies and snacks, and have much less worry about grocery shopping. So if you're interested in trying out Green Chef, go to greenchef.com slash 60CMOS and use code 60CMOS to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Now back to the show. Start off with talking about beef tallow. I just think this has been on the internet so much, and we haven't really dedicated much um, time to this. And this is the one fat or oil that I haven't really gotten into yet, but it, that is definitely just a matter of time. I am fully addicted to ghee, and so I think that's my preferred cooking oil along with olive oil. Um, kind of just getting into like the history, the health benefits, and, like the rise in popularity. I just think it'd be maybe interesting to touch on. Um, so beef tallow definitely does date back to fairly long time ago. It dates back to the Bronze Age, and it's been referenced in a lot of historical texts. And it was utilized by like the Greeks, Native Americans, and Aboriginal people. So it does have a lot of like historical significance in many like societies and cultures. And the reason for that is just because it's like so versatile in terms of like its end use case. It's been most commonly utilized for like candles, cooking, skincare, and also healing wounds. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the properties that make up beef tallow and a lot of the health benefits that I'll get into in a moment. 
but really how beef tallow was made. You could probably like make it if you like live on a farm because it's just from like heating the fat from the cow. So it's kind of considered as like the byproduct of like a lot of like, you know, whenever you process the cow and like cut all the different types of meats, like there's that byproduct of the fat. And so like that can end up being utilized for many different reasons. Um, And really all you're doing is just melting it and then separating it from the solids. And knowing that it does come from beef and it's like minimally processed, there's definitely plenty of health benefits that do come from it. And with beef tallow, it's primarily composed of saturated fat. And of course, there's like this debate whether this is healthy, depending on what side you're on. Um, Most studies that analyze saturated fat, they really are looking at them as a whole versus like separating them into good and bad. And like some saturated fats can lower cholesterol, some can raise it. So it's just the matter of like which type you're eating. Um, but beef tallow is actually very rich in multiple different fat soluble vitamins, which we all know are like critical and like for our overall health. And that includes like A, D, K, and then CLA, which is, which is a certain type of linoleic acid. And this particular acid is like found to be useful for like weight loss and reducing inflammation. But again, like I said, vitamin A, D, and K are all like healthy fats. And so they play a critical role in things such as like vision, you know, bone health, immunity, um, et cetera. Another like health benefit, I suppose, of beef towel versus like vegetable oils. And I feel like when you're on the internet, it's a lot of conversation around like, you should like replace vegetable oils with beef towel, beef tallow. And a lot of it is because it also has a very high smoking point. So it's not going to become oxidized versus like vegetable oils that have a very low smoking point or like extra virgin olive oil, which also has a low smoking point. And like really when you're like overheating these oils, they can like oxidize and just like kind of cause inflammation within the body. Um... Versus, like I said, the vegetable oils. And again, beef towel can also increase good cholesterol. And like the omega-3 to 6 ratio can vary depending on the grass-fed or non-grass-fed beef towel version. So that's definitely just something to look out for. I'm presuming like most of the brands that are carried at Whole Foods or at health stores are going to likely be at least organic or grass-fed to a certain degree. Um and I was kind of just like curious, like why this was like growing in popularity. And I feel like it's been popular in two different communities, mainly like the skincare community and also the carnivore diet. Um, and it kind of comes to no surprise in terms of like the carnivore diet. And like, I think the people that talk about it for it's like skincare benefits are a lot of the people that definitely push like this, like toxic free skincare, um, you know, way of life. And I think a lot of this just has to do with the fact that there's so much like building like our current culture and just like so much lack of trust in like corporations and the government so people are just like i want to just like you know basically try to protect myself and like not have to rely on like these like my corporations um and i think people just like kind of like go all in once they kind of get into this like bubble or trap of like not wanting to utilize anything that is like processed whatsoever and like just because something is processed doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Um, and I think there's so many people that are like, have this like fear of plants, inflammation, just like want to reconnect with like the ancestors. And that's like a big draw for the carnivore bros. Um, and also too, I think like beef towel obviously comes from cows. It's like natural. It's like comes from the earth essentially. So I think like that whole push of like it being like healing and wholesome, that's like a great picture or something that can be utilized as like a marketing tactic. And so many people use the common buzzwords of like, you know, beef tallow being like ethical or sustainably sourced or natural. And like, of course, these aren't really regulated whatsoever. So you kind of have to take those as a grain of salt. And the people that are pushing, you know, utilizing like alternatives often make like broad sweeping claims and like don't really offer that much like scientific um, research to really like back these claims. Um, 
so I kind of did a little deep dive which like is beef tallow even bad because I remember I think when it was like the whole like flaxseed face mask cake and I kind of debunked that and there's just like not enough research to really prove if like using flax seeds on your face is like going to help you or not and that's kind of the same with beef tallow um and it's really just yeah there's like not enough research or data because it's like who's going to really study like the skincare or, like health benefits of it um but of course since there are you know, antioxidants such as like vitamin A, like there could be some benefits from that. And, you know, retinol, for example, is a great um, skincare product because of its high concentration of vitamin A. But like when you compare beef tallow to vitamin A, like the concentration is not going to be as standardized with beef tallow versus like if you're buying just like a conventional retinol product. Uh, beef tallow has also been touted for like acne treatment. But I think one thing here is that like, there's no one size fits all. So when people claim like, everyone should be using this, like, again, I would be like a little weary there. Just because like everyone has different skin types. And if you do naturally have a more oily complexion, it could easily clog your pores and just cause you to have even more acne. Um, but like, I think the TLDR here is that there's like no danger in trying beef tallow for like cooking purposes or skincare purposes, but there's also no reason to drop your entire skincare routine. And just because like skincare products contain chemicals that doesn't make them inherently bad. And I think there's just like this whole confusion now on TikTok of like, whether like you should be utilizing stuff that have chemicals or not. And again, like chemicals are there for a reason and they're like useful ingredients that have been like heavily studied. Um, but if people cook with beef tallow, definitely let us know. I don't really know what like the flavor profile is like, but I'm sure it's like great for like frying foods. I know there's like a few brands I think on the market now that utilize beef tallow to, you know, prepare their like prepackaged snacks i think like epic does for like their pork pork rinds which are delicious by the way um but yeah i've just i've never purchased it if people love it definitely let me know i'm definitely willing to give it a shot emma is beef tallow curious yeah i'm also curious but aren't those masa masa chips with beef tallow Oh, yes, they are. That's the other brand that I, like, totally forgot about because they're, like, aren't yeah. carried anywhere. But they do – those chips do have, like, a very, like, nutty taste to them, and I wonder if it's because of the, the beef tallow. All right, we are back. We had a little bit of a tech difficulty, but we are all good. We are talking about beef tallow. The brand Masa Chips has beef tallow on their chips. I remember, like, tasting the chips for the first time and being like, what is this distinct, you know, taste? I've never had this before. So if any of the CMOS girlies regularly, you know, cook with beef tallow or maybe you apply it as skincare, let us know because Emma and I are both very curious about beef tallow now. Um, the next subject we're going to talk about is health anxiety. A few of the girlies have DM me this personally and then also on CMOS girlies, just talking about like being anxious about something being wrong or like maybe you've had a traumatic event. Um, so I wanted to talk about this. It's more kind of personal anecdotal of my life. Um, but some tips towards the end of what you can do if you feel like you have a lot of health anxiety. So first to define the term, health anxiety is when you spend a lot of time worrying that you're ill or that you're about to get ill and it starts to take over your life like slowly and slowly over time. Sometimes it can be related to um, obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD, not all the times. Um, I think sometimes health anxiety can lead to orthorexia, this sort of like desire to eat perfect because you're really concerned with becoming unhealthy. And I think it is really hard to not have health anxiety if you do know about how the food system is and the environment is and climate change and racial disparities in the world. And like when you think about what you're putting into your body, you only can control so much when it does come to your health. And I think 
more people than other than ever have anxiety. So more people than ever probably also have this health anxiety. And I think it can be tough when you are on this path to like take care of your well-being. You want to become empowered and very like autonomous and like take control over your life. Um, but I think a lot of people get to this point where you become so fearful of the world out there. It's so bad. There's so many toxins and pollutants and stuff. Um, you kind of avoid uncertain moments in life because you're just fearful of the bad health effects, which is totally justified and rational to like be worried about like bad things happening here and there. But there does become a point where I think we all can check in and be like, this is starting to rule my life. Like I'm not going out and doing stuff because I'm so concerned. And this definitely relates to COVID as well. And like how much uncertainty we had about COVID and still like the effects of long COVID and like I just feel like the CDC has done a very shit job of giving us health information on time, letting people know when to mask, where to mask, like what to do, where to get your vaccine. And I think a lot of times in wellness spaces on the internet, it kind of lacks this like public health intersection where like a lot of the reason that all of us feel like we need to optimize our own individual life is because the public health system and the food system are not taken care of. Like a lot of us would not be as anxious about like, you know, they say eating a micro are eating a credit card worth of microplastics a week. That's like the average person's intake of microplastics. Like a lot of us wouldn't have to be anxious about our health if the government took better care of us. And health anxiety is also very common if you have a history of trauma. And so to answer this like more anecdotally, uh, my dad passed of cancer last September. And I think I became very paranoid and anxious that every time I got a phone call, it was going to be something bad, like more bad news was coming. My mom was going to call me with some like financial update that was fucked up or some insurance thing that was fucked up. And you start to view the world through like a glass half empty lens than like the glass half full lens and more kind of on the trauma from the family situation. I think we talked about this in the longevity episode, like how much do your genetics kind of determine your own health outcomes? The good news is that like, let's say your family has a history of something, or maybe you've had a serious illness or someone in your family has, and that's affected you and created this trauma. You think that like, that's how life is going to be for you, that you are on this um, path where certain health things are going to happen to you when you hit a certain age, let's say. But when we looked at that episode in the research, environment does shape a lot of like how you are but you also have a lot of control over your own health outcomes so what you eat how you move how you choose to optimize like stress and sleep and stuff like that can really impact how your health and well-being are for the rest of your life so I want people to feel like you do have a sense of agency but I think with that agency can also become the anxiety where like oh my gosh I have to take care of this this and this I have to make sure I'm eating this many foods in a day that are diverse and getting all my macronutrients and I think it's hard when you know let's say this interest in health and well-being comes from a good place for it not to get obsessive but that's going to relate more to I think like your underlying you know personality um what was I going to say? Not personality disorder, but like personality traits that you have. Like if you are a more obsessive person, health could be something that you should be cautious of it becoming obsessive over because it is funny where like, I'm always super cautious whenever I talk about food stuff or exercise stuff, because I don't want to lead, you know, my audience of young women to like be obsessive with how they work out or what other things I could talk about in videos. But then there's a whole other segment of the population. Like I'm thinking gym bros, that are really obsessive about calories and tracking and like it doesn't eat away at them maybe it does eat away at them I think some gym bros are toxic but some people can do the whole calorie counting thing and really like regimented meal prepping and it doesn't like harm them 
and that's probably something psychologically that they can just like deal with like rigid rules like that like I know my sister up to her wedding or not her wedding but like the year before she got married or something she was like I want to start like taking better care of my nutrition and like I don't really know anything about calories and like this this and this and so she I know like tracked stuff for a little bit and it didn't cause her to go down a spiral but if I would have done that (laughs) that would have led me down an entire like health anxiety rabbit hole so it is all very individual of how you relate to like health information. But I think what I'm trying to say is that like, you are not destined to this same outcome that your parents have. And it is very possible for, I think, you to change your diet and your lifestyle. And I think the easiest time to do that is like when you go off to college, or maybe you have some separation from your family. Most of us grew up and I think well, I'm not going to say most of us, but, you know, I grew up like family, you know, my mom cooked meals. That was kind of what I ate in a day. I didn't have much control over that. When I went to college, that was kind of the first break when I started to be able to question and consider like, what do I want to eat today? How do I want to structure my day? How many meals and snacks do I want to have? And I think until you have an opportunity to break rules, like you're probably just going to keep eating like you always have eaten. And I think if you have a sense of health anxiety, some places to start, I think is honestly just like sitting down journaling, like, where does this come from? And it might be very obvious of like, oh, I have this issue because my mom does this, or my dad does this, or someone in my family talks about food in this way. But I think once you get deeper to it, like a lot of my food anxiety and body anxiety in the past related to really obscure things. And until I sat down and thought about them and like, did the whole, you know, journaling, getting to know yourself. I didn't really get to the roots of like why certain things were affecting me. Um, If you do have health anxiety, one thing you can do to sort of like clear that is getting annual checkups. Like if you are worried, let's say someone in your family has cancer, specifically like a breast cancer or different health things that you are concerned about developing at later in life, you can get preventative exams and you can get annual checkups on these things just to be aware of them. Like after my dad passed, my sister scheduled an appointment to see if like cancer was in her DNA. Luckily it was not. Um, So there are some things you can do to sort of soothe those like big camps of health anxiety. But I think a lot of the reason that health anxiety happens is just because we have such a broken patient care model right? Like so many people who have chronic illness go to the doctor, say the symptoms they have, the doctor can't really help them. Like you can't really find a clear diagnosis. You can't really find a treatment plan. It's a lot of experimentation with patients of like, try this thing for three months. If it doesn't work, come back and we'll give you something else. And it's so easy for the patient to just become burdened and fatigued by this act of like having to take care of yourself. And that's like one thing my mom ingrained my family like pretty at a pretty young age for us I have a twin brother with disabilities as well. And so, you know, my mom would always tell us like the burden is on you guys to advocate for yourselves in the healthcare system. And it's fucked up and it should not be that way. The government should take care of us, or at least that's my view. But the patient care model is so broken and it can be so frustrating and confusing with doctors and not being able to like try to find that care. But I think one thing that is not a, you know, I'm not going to say a good thing or a bad thing, but Sometimes a diagnosis can help you, but sometimes it can also limit you. Um, When we were talking about eating disorders a long time ago, I think I brought up this point of like, when I had an eating disorder, I felt like I was a person with an eating disorder for a lot, a long time after the, you know, initial kind of breakthrough moment. And I think when I was living in that headspace of like, I'm a person with an eating disorder, I could not see myself living in a quote, normal way. I could not see myself eating out with friends. I could not see myself eating dessert. And once I started to get rid of that identity piece, I think it was much easier for me to 
start to make moves towards recovery. And I think when it comes to illness um, and when it comes to diagnosis, some things are obviously going to be very helpful because we have a clear cut like medical model of how to handle these things. But I think for women specifically with hormones and how little we know about the body, it might be helpful to have a diagnosis about something of like, my period hurts and I get this cramp and my left breast hurts or something. I don't know. I'm throwing out weird shit. But sometimes I think the way we look at disease and illness can like not be that helpful. Um, I don't know if this point broke point made sense necessarily as it relates to like health anxiety, but I think diagnoses can be diagnoses can be helpful sometimes and sometimes it can like only just lead you down more troubled paths. So I think that if you are someone who does experience health anxiety, I think writing down not only just journaling, but writing down the things you can control. Like living in New York City, I cannot control the water that I get. I mean, I could buy a water filter, I guess. I can't control the air when I walk outside. I can't control, you know, what the other people in my environments are doing. So you really have to just isolate of like what I can control. Okay, how am I sleeping? How am I eating? How am I moving? And everything else is kind of an uncertain variable. And I think once you can isolate those two things, the anxiety becomes less loud in your head. And I think second step is obviously to get help you know, professionally, this kind of falls in the category of like generalized anxiety and you could get much more specific when it got, does come to treatment. I think talking to friends and family or finding a support group could be great. If like, if it does come to like chronic illness, there are a lot of like chronic illness groups on the internet that are awesome just to like give people visibility and support. But I think sometimes when it comes to eating disorders or this health anxiety or something like that, um, you know, when you say your thoughts out loud, I think you start to realize that you might be scared of something for no reason. I think when I had my eating disorder and I wrote down like my most crazy thoughts that I thought would happen if I started to eat more, I read those over and I was like, oh yeah, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Like my brain is not okay. Like eating disorders are a mental disorder. And so it is good to like write these things down. And I think you're able to realize what you can and can't control. Like I kind of said earlier. Yeah, I think we are so lucky that we at least live in a day and age where there's so much research and resources available that you can at least like educate yourself and like kind of better understand like, okay, like the likelihood of me developing this is like very slim. And I also, I think bouncing off of Kate's point of like, you know, developing a good, you know, support system, also just like developing or like finding a primary care doctor that you can like really trust, whether that's like, you know, BGYN or again, like I said, like primary care doctor they can like really go to and trust. I think like having someone that a was like trained in the medical field that can like actually give you like the science is like super beneficial. And I know when I was going through eating disorder recovery, I would, I don't know if you necessarily classify this as like health anxiety, but kind of similarly to what Kate was mentioning about like, you know, having eating disorder, not really being able to picture yourself like outside of like that world. When I had my, um, nutritional therapist, it was like really, really helpful for me to just like hear from like a, trained person who like you know has been doing this her entire life of like helping girls you know recover like really understanding like no this is like what's going to happen when you do recover and like this is how much better you're going to feel and I think just like hearing something from you know someone who has a little bit more authority that isn't just like your parent or your friend can do wonders for you so I definitely encourage you you know to find someone that you can trust and definitely that can be like a very scary experience um and obviously just with how our uh, healthcare system is it's like very broken not everyone's going to be like granted the opportunity to like find like the best of the best um but yeah I mean like the body is at least very um it's, the body's a very beautiful magical thing and it can heal itself and I think that's a really beautiful thing and a very empowering thing um and so you're not completely destined for 
you know, bad. You come from like a lineage or like a family that has like a bad um, health path or maybe you did partake in like unhealthy behaviors back back in the day. Um, the next point is kind of tips for navigating cooking or working out when you don't have time such have a crazy work schedule. A lot of our listeners are, you know, college age or maybe just have graduated, you're starting your first, you know, big girl job and you're kind of realizing that like you no longer have like the free time that you, you used to have. I was actually having this conversation with my boyfriend earlier about, you know, he likes to have smoothies in the mornings, just like he feels better about himself versus like what he would like typically eat. But like, you know, after a long day, he doesn't like want to make a smoothie, but like he knows that like if he did, he would just feel better, you know, the next day when like he is about to have that. And I think that just like goes to show that like you just have to like find the time and like you may not want to put in the work to like make things work, but like you got to do it. So I think a few like tips that I have are just like if you are in a moment in your life where like things are super crazy and hectic, maybe you're working like two or three jobs or, you know, doing who knows what. I think just like being easy on yourself and taking the pressure off and, you know, remembering that doing a little is like better than nothing. I think many of us are like type A and kind of have this like black and white mentality of like, I have to do everything right or like, fuck it, like nothing matters. So I'm just going to like, you know, do whatever and like not take care of myself. Um, And so, you know, like getting in just 6K steps a day is like better than like getting none. And you don't always have to be perfect and getting like 10,000 steps a day or like cooking all all, all their meals throughout the day. Um, You know, I think planning ahead of time is going to be your best tip here and definitely looking at your week and like breaking it down day by day and having a good understanding of like okay which days are going to be like my most hectic and like which days will I have like a little bit more free time and definitely you know like meal prepping or like finding quick and easy recipes and like your meals don't have to be fancy like I work a nine to five and sometimes like after a long day like the last thing I want to do is like be cooking for 45 minutes I just like want to eat and like move on with like my day or evening so honestly like most times after work I'm just eating like eggs and toast for dinner and like sure it's like kind of boring and like kind of bland but it gets the job done um you know you don't have to be like eating these like very fancy and elaborate stews for me I always like to prep my lunch directly after dinner so I'm not like scrambling in the morning and then also like my breakfast just because I don't have time in the morning to eat breakfast at home I always just have to eat it at off at the office but I think just like doing all of that in one sitting is just like so much better just like knock it all out versus like okay like I guess I'll do this now or, you know, when you get too comfortable, like watching TV or whatever it is that you like to do to wind down, you know, it's not like super motivating to like get up and like do something that is like ultra productive. Um, and I think also to like incorporating like no cook meals, like yogurt and fruit is like a great thing to have for breakfast or like sandwiches and salads and tin fish, like anything that can like reduce and limit the amount of pots and pans that you have to clean, I think will help you out a lot. In terms of like, you know, working out, and like finding time to do that, like again, like you're just gonna have to find the time and like if you want to take care of yourself like you're gonna have to like put in the work and find the time and like yeah it sucks and like you may not want to wake up earlier you may not want to do something after work but if you really truly want something like you're gonna just have to like figure it out and like unfortunately life is going to only continue to get like more hectic and crazy and like you know we're all pretty lucky that we're like you know single woman for the most part and it's like you know once you get married or like have kids like that'll just like create a whole nother layer of complexity um and it's all about like making sacrifices and again, like you only have to work out like three to five days a week. So structuring your weeks and days around like, you know, what will work best for you in terms of that. I'm not going to tell you like what days that should look like, but like whether that's like maybe just really working out like Saturdays and Sundays and like that's all you can do, then like so be it. Um, for me, I typically find mornings usually easier to work out because you have way more control of your time versus like in the evenings because you don't know if you're going to be like stuck at work or like what your motivation level is going to be post work. Um, 
and like luckily I'm a morning person so I don't have any issues like waking up at like 4 45 or 5 a.m to you know go to the gym and swim and I know like that can be like very scary and daunting for a lot of people to wake up at that hour um but I think like over time you start to feel better and better about yourself when you do kind of finally accomplish that workout and I think like that should be like the biggest motivating factor to get you out of bed just like remembering how good you feel afterwards um and I think also too like if you will and truly like don't have time to like go to the gym or go to a workout class just like focus on moving around um throughout the day just to get in like general exercise and movement like you don't have to have this like very structured workout where it's like okay I'm like gonna run these like six miles or I'm gonna go to the gym and like do this like lifting session like walk or bike to work if you like live in a city that you know allows that or like park farther away in the parking lots you have to walk you know more to the to the building I think also like taking stairs standing while working or like walking during lunch are also other great ways but I think again like don't put pressure on yourself don't stress I think it's just going to make the situation worse and just because you're like living in this current moment in your life where like things are hectic and maybe you don't have the time or the motivation it doesn't mean that it's like always going to be that way so I think just like remembering that, you know, in five years from now, you're not going to remember it. Like if you didn't get, you know, to cook all your meals or didn't get a workout every single day. Yeah. It's super easy to get fixated on the day to day and kind of judge yourself. Like, did I work out today? I'm a good or a bad person. And I think I was stuck in that mindset for a while. Now that I'm marathon training, I think it's been nice to see my life in weeks versus months or weeks versus days. I'm sorry. And be able to document like longer term trends than everyday stuff. And specifically, if anyone's a runner out there, like a lot of your runs are just going to suck. And that doesn't mean that like you've lost fitness or you should question like your integrity as a runner. Um, Just your body can't like perform its best every single day. And so I think when you look at your trends over time, you're going to be much happier and less like rigid of like, I need to go harder tomorrow and I need to do crazy amount of things. Um, Like you're going to be fine. Your body like will adapt slowly over time, like Emma said. So when you do start making these changes or like, going to the gym at an you know earlier hour than you were it will be easier like the more and more you do it it's just kind of like ripping off that initial band-aid I think is hard and I've always just had to be like cold turkey whenever I do stuff of just like get up do it like splash some cold water in your face and maybe that's just how I was raised by my mom I don't know um the last topic for today is about calories I think we've gotten a few questions about metabolism and just like calories should I care about them like calorie tracking is triggering which I totally agree with but I kind of want to make a case for why I don't think any of the CMOS girlies should care about calories. Um, and maybe you could say this is negligent and some people should care, but I'm going to guess the majority of our audience, who I feel like I know pretty well, should not care about calories. And here is my thesis on why. Calories are not equal is going to be the main theme of this whole little segment here. But food packaging, we've talked about this before. When you look at a granola bar or let's let's say you look at a box of crackers or protein powder or something like that, there is a 20%, if not more, error every single time when it comes to calculating the amount of calories in a product. That's not even to mention how your body processes the food, which I will get into later. And so if you're looking at buying food and the food isn't even like, quote, the right calories, why would you base your entire diet or like your daily intake of food off of an inaccurate measure? Second of all, when you go go on all those crazy fucked up calculators on the internet that are like, you should eat this much if you're this body weight and this height and you're active, sedentary, very active, like those fucking categories that would trigger me a few years ago. I was like, I don't know if I'm sedentary or if I'm very active. Like, I don't know what these things fucking mean. And then you put in your age and your BMI and you think that's like God's gift and you have to follow these things. 
those calculators are not made off of like any accurate science. We've talked about how the BMI is a really outdated metric to use. And if you're going off, like once again, your daily caloric intake based on what these little fucking calculators say on the internet, you're not actually in touch with your body's like natural instincts and natural cues. Um, a lot of these websites that have these like BMI or TDEE calculators, whatever, oftentimes are linked to different diet programs. Like you'll go through them, you'll have to enter your email and it'll send you like your caloric intake. And then you get to the bottom of the email and it's trying to sell you some like meal plan or some sort of diet plan or get you on some sort of like lifestyle protocol. And so it really makes you question the integrity of these calculators. It's not actually to make people be healthier and have more like, you know, autonomy over their health. It's to make people buy some shitty product and feel bad about themselves and get out of touch with their body's natural rhythms. Like we were all the most intuitive natural eaters before any of us learned about calories. Like when we were just eating as kids, that's probably the most intuitive experience you've had with food before. And I think the modern food system, diet industry have all corrupted our own sense of like, how much do I eat in a day? Like that kind of looming question. The main thing is the re or the main reason, I suppose, why you should not really care about calories is because different food has different energy availability. So when you're looking at broccoli versus when you're looking at ice cream, most of us know that those things have different ingredients and different nutrients and different calories in them. But I think there's all these like stupid infographics you see on the internet of like, if you were to eat like a bowl of broccoli versus a bowl of ice cream, here's the caloric difference. And I think those are like on those like toxic, you know, diet pages, but it does beg the question of like, what is in your food besides calories? Like you could eat the ice cream, you could eat the broccoli, but you're getting very different things in your body. And I think like Emma just mentioned, you want to feel a certain way throughout your day. Like if you're used to feeling lethargic and sleepy, or like maybe you have a sugar crash, the next day you wake up and you're like, okay, I felt like that yesterday. I'm going to make a different choice when it comes to food. So I feel better today. And I think a lot of like the talk about calories and the emphasis on calories takes away from the quality of the food that you're eating. And I think a lot of us would be less freaked out about calories if we just cared about nutrients. Like there is a, there's an, a lifestyle. And I think that's the lifestyle I have now where broccoli and ice cream can both exist in your diet. It doesn't have to be, I eat one thing. I don't eat the other thing because holy shit, ice cream has a lot more calories than broccoli does. Like both things have a time and place. And that's going to be the healthiest way for you to live. When you start to restrict stuff out of your diet, let's say you're not going to eat ice cream. You're only going to crave that thing more. And there was this study in the Washington Post that kind of talked about this phenomenon of like how different food has different energy availability. They put one group in this research experiment um, on a standard American diet. So they ate a lot of like processed foods that you would think of. And then the other group was focused entirely on gut microbiome friendly foods. So there was a huge emphasis on fiber, probiotics, and resistant starch. And at the end of this experiment, they found that the participants that absorbed significantly few calories were the ones that were on this fiber rich diet compared to the processed diet. And this is just to say that the gut microbiome plays a huge role in your weight and body composition. And in the experiment, basically they're proving that like food with fiber takes much more energy for your body to digest. So you'll actually take in less calories than if you were eating processed food. And this is not to say that calories are like the gold standard metric you should care about, but it's to almost break that apart and say that even if you think like, I'm going to eat a banana, this has a hundred calories. 
you don't actually know how much your body's going to take in. So it's a really goofy metric for us to be stuck on. Um, another reason why I think CPAS really should not care about calories is because muscle is going to burn a lot of calories. And so I think the CMOS girlies are all, you know, getting into movement. You guys are running, you guys are lifting. When you are doing those things, you do not want to diet and eat less calories. You should probably be eating more over time versus less over time if you are getting more active in your lifestyle. And I know that's like just our audience. Like you guys are all getting into movement and stuff like that. Um, and if you want to have a good career with like, let's say running or swimming like Emma, you want to make sure that you are building muscle over time, you are recovering and you are reducing your risk of injury. That's going to require you to eat more and never be in a calorie deficit. So you should not be fixated on calories from a perspective of like, I need to diet or I need to cut. Your body's going to like give up over time. Like you're going to get injured. You're going to get the stress fracture. Something's going to give. So you just really need to make sure you're eating in abundance when you are training like so rigorously. And then like the underlying fact of this is like, constantly tracking adds anxiety. Like I know when I had the fucking my fitness pal app, I was always stressed out about what I'm eating. Can I fit this food into my day? The entire day, my entire days were like memories of just tracking food. Like I'm at this thing, I have to get home and I have to eat this, have to eat this at this time, has to be this quantity of food. And if I go over this amount, my entire day is fucked. I'm such a failure. And when you look back on it now with distance, like I am to like my eating disorder days, what a fucked up way to live. And it's easy for me to say this now, but yeah, I don't remember so much of my life because it was just stuck with eating so few calories and beating myself up if I ate more, God forbid, because my body was starving at the time. And I don't think the constant tracking and fixation on calories is really helping anyone. It's inaccurate. Like I fucking mentioned, the food labels that you're seeing are inaccurate. Food has different energy availability than you think. You know, we all like to play God and think that I can control my body and how it looks. You really can't. Like the food is going to do what your food can do. If anything, you should care about your gut health and take care of your gut microbiome. And that's only going to make all this shit easier. And I think some things for the girlies to consider as I'm talking about calories is like when you are eating, instead of worried about worrying about calories, I think you should ask yourself these questions. What nutrients am I getting with this meal? And it doesn't always have to be perfect. Like the other day after I ran, I ate some fucked up like dessert situation where it was like ice cream, cookies, like peanut butter, chocolate chips. Did that really have any nutrients? No, but I wanted that. And it fit into my day of like how I wanted to eat throughout that day. And it was the mood that I was in. So it worked. Um, but I think when you focus on nutrients, it, you know, calories are just such a dumb metric. There's so much more to food and like how you feel. Um, the next one is like, are you eating with friends? I think I had the moment where I would never want to eat around people because I was always nervous about what they think of me. But in retrospect and in like looking at that, it's so much more important to just eat the dessert, go back for seconds, like really celebrate those moments. Maybe you're trying a new recipe. Maybe you're baking something like all the days of I would like bake shit and then like not eat it because I was like, oh, this is like bad for me. Like what a little like sad life I used to live. Also, are you at a restaurant? I think it's really easy to be at a restaurant and be like, well, I'm going to order a salad or I'm just going to order like whatever. If you're going to a restaurant, like you're probably not going every single day. Get the thing you actually want on the fucking menu. You're not going to remember what you eat when you look back at like what you had a year ago, but you're going to remember how you felt on that night. And I remember a lot of times when I was eating out, like there was a very specific moment when I was in Paris with my family back in like 2017 or 2016 
when I was out and I just didn't want to eat anything. And I have all these like really biting memories. And like, now I don't have my dad to like go do these things with again. Um, But in the moment, it felt like such a big decision to decide what I'm going to eat at dinner. And then you look back on it like six months later and you're like, holy shit, I wish I just would have like ate the burger and like shut the fuck up. Um, And another one to consider is like, are you stressed out or rushed when you're eating? Because it's very easy to eat on the go. I'm thinking of like the college girlies or just anyone who's working a nine to five. Like when I worked retail, I know I only had a 15 minute lunch break. It's really hard to like reset your body to like calm down when you're eating. But I think that is another um, thing that affects your metabolism and how you're actually absorbing and digesting your food. So if you're like stressed out about a food that you've maybe put a bad like label on let's say like ice cream is a fear food for you but you're eating it around friends you really are having a good experience you know you want to do it you're not going to have so much like stress that's going to impact your body but let's say you have a lot of guilt and shame around that food and then you decide to eat it like that's gonna track in your body like the body keeps score which is a book that if you want to read about like trauma and ptsd and so it's really important to think about like is this food moment is not going to kill me so i should just be in the moment and like move on you know I'll probably forget about it by the time I go to bed and realize that like yeah calories are not that important and I think none of you should care about them please dm me with your angry thoughts if you think otherwise and that was negligent for me to say that calories are stupid but I feel like most CMOS girlies would agree with me on that one yeah I also think like all the moments where I was hyper fixated in calories it subtracted so much from my life like Keith said like being like super stressed at restaurants or like not wanting to go out and socialize or be at restaurants because like you knew it would cause so much anxiety of, like figuring out like what would maybe have the lowest calorie count um and I definitely am like sad that like I didn't allow myself to develop better and like more happy memories and I think I also lost a lot of friendships along the way because I just isolated myself from a lot of social situations so again like all this is so much easier said than done. And like Kate and I have been there before and like multiple times before. And, you know, recovery is not easy, but I definitely have noticed like now that I have like a way better support group system that like doesn't really care about like, and like, of course, like no one cares about your body or like what you're eating or like how much are you eating. But I think when you really do have like a very loving and supporting friend group where people just like accept you for like who you are, it really helps you kind of stray away from like those thoughts and like those tendencies of constantly tracking and constantly caring um so as always we're always here for you and like being a young woman in america is not easier really anywhere and you know if you are experiencing these anxieties or are having these thoughts about calories like it's normal unfortunately it's very normal uh so know that you're like not broken and not alone and it's okay to ask for help or you know we're always a dm away we're always a DM away. And like Emma said, every girl in America has probably struggled with this. So even if you're looking at a friend that you're like, she has her shit together. There's no way she has disordered thinking like I do. Like I must just be this like freak with all these weird thoughts about food. Like, no, every single one of my friends I've like talked to and like we've had similar experiences with food. So you're very much not alone. Like it might be awkward to bring it up for the first time, but like a lot of Emma and my friendship bonded over like our experience of having eating disorders. So it can be a very like Um, thing that can bring you together with people that you might not have expected so I'm not saying like bring it up and be like yo who wants to talk about eating disorder shit at 10 a.m on a Monday but uh, there's definitely opportunities to like talk about it so I'd encourage you to go down those Um, but it's a Sunday here in New York is it a Sunday I never know what day of the week it is it's a long weekend it's definitely a Sunday yes President's Day weekend so most of us are gonna have tomorrow off which is nice so today was the second Saturday 
Yeah, a long ass weekend. Um, that's all I got. You know, we'll be pumping out memes for you girlies. We'll be talking to you guys next week. Um, I hope you enjoyed the pod. A pleasure to pod with you, dog. And we'll talk to the CMS girlies next Tuesday. <laughs>